This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday, the final official Monday of summer. Oh, I know. But fall, specials, big money, uh, pumpkin spice, Michael McIntyre, if you're listening, uh, is right around the corner. And, uh, man, we got a jam-packed show, so let's get into it by starting with what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Newsflash, Kyle Larson won again. This time it was the NASCAR Cup Series, and it came at Bristol Motor Speedway with some controversy, a a late race pass around Kevin Harvick, perhaps with the help of teammate Chase Elliott. Uh, You've probably seen all about it on social media. Here's the fun fact, though, that you might not have seen. Kyle Larson's Cup Series career up until 2021, six NASCAR Cup Series victories. Kyle Larson's Cup Series win total in 2021, six. So a pretty impressive stat for Kyle Larson. Kevin Thomas Jr. captured his fourth Hobstadt Hustler win Saturday night at the Tri-State Speedway. His other triumphs came in 2013, 17, and 18. The win pocketed the driver $12,000 thanks to his efforts. Rich, you know, everything is bigger and sexier in Texas. Big Sexy Brandon Overton picked up $50,000 after controlling Saturday's Texas Dirt Nationals. He wasn't the only late model driver in the nation to bag 50K on Saturday, though. Mike Marler grabbed his own $50,000 check after winning with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at Knoxville Raceway. And back to the NASCAR scene, how about Portage, Michigan's Carson Hosevar with a top five finish on Thursday night with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Hosevar had enough points to advance himself into the round of uh, the next round, round two of the NASCAR Truck Series playoffs. And it makes that the round of eight moving forward in the playoffs. So a good push there for the rookie. Carson Hosevar, and that's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Good evening, I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way after a very exciting and eventful weekend of racing. <laughs> Zach, it's, uh, you know, I sometimes there's races that you go to and you don't realize what you're watching. And I now appreciate what I watched at Toledo Speedway on Saturday night more on Monday than when I was calling it because I, I almost became a fan right in the middle of the broadcast and announcing those events. Yeah, it was a great, uh, unfortunately I became ill over the weekend. So I got to go fan mode and watch the, uh, festivities from Toledo and Holy smokes. What a glass city 200. You had a chance to witness on Saturday. We're going to break that all down, but rich, some other things going on first. Yeah, Zach, uh, Ty Gibbs and Sammy Smith, uh, couldn't have ex- executed their plan 
more perfectly uh, last Thursday, and they carried it out to perfection in Thursday night's Bush Beans 200 uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway for the ARCA Menard Series. Uh, Gibbs won the race after leading all 200 laps for his 10th victory of the 2021 ARCA Menard Series season, but it was Smith whose second-place run was more than enough to clinch the 2021 ARCA Menard Series East Championship. Uh, Smith, the 17-year-old East driver uh, from Johnston, Iowa, entered the series finale, uh, which was a combo event for the Arkham Menard Series as well, with a 24-point lead over second-place Daniel Dye in the championship standings. Uh, Smith, a rookie, simply needed to finish 19th or better to ensure that he would leave Bristol with the title. Smith won three races in East Series competition in 2021 at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, at Tennessee's Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, and at Southern National Motorsports Park in Kenley, North Carolina. Smith joined uh, JGR for the East Series this season on the heels of his 2020 Car Super Late Model Tour season, in which he earned three top fives and six top ten finishes. What a season! For that young, for both of those young men, and uh, I mean, what do we need here? Ty has probably almost got that portion wrapped up too, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I, he he still got Corey Heim to deal with, so I don't know. They've been they've been running one, two, two, one, one, three all season long, so uh, I, I, that may go down uh, go down to the end. That's going to be a great battle to watch. A couple of young drivers, uh, really good too. If you're looking for some young talent to keep an eye on, the Arkham Menard Series has got it right now. Saturday, uh, how about Crystal Motor Speedway, a place we don't talk about a lot, but, man, it had the community buzz in the state of Michigan for the Great Lakes Nationals, featured a lot of racing, including the Great Lakes traditional sprints. How about Dustin Daggett, laid down his best lap of the race just two laps before the checker, making it enough to hold off uh, Chris Pobance, and when I say hold off, it was to the tune of 3.7 seconds. Daggett gets the win, Pobance in second. Keith Shefford Jr. comes home in third. How about the Hall of Famer Jason Blonde getting behind the wheel of a non-wing dirt car? He finishes in fourth, and Mike Ostrowskis rounds out the top five for the traditional sprints portion of things. Late models were also in action. Ryan Vanderveen got the win coming from the third starting spot. Garrett Wiles, who started on the pole, finished in second with Michael Archer rounding out the podium. In IMCA Modifieds, Brody Bowser came from the fifth starting spot to get the win, but the story of the night was the IMCA Modifieds passing all over this racetrack from 11th to finish second, Myron DeYoung. Nate Jones from sixth finishes in third, but that still might not be the story, Rich. Coming home sixth, is Chad Wernett in the 6.15 who started trunk 24th, comes up to finish in 6th. Nice run for Chad Wernett in IMCA Modifieds. And uh, not to be left out, Street Stocks, Robbie uh, Steenberg finished on the pin. He got the win there. And uh, in the pro stocks, Adam Erickson with a win. And in the pro trunks, it was Curtis Rice who went to victory lane. Uh, nice event. A lot of race cars for the Great Lakes Nationals at Crystal Motor Speedway on Saturday. Well, Zach, now we can get into the fun stuff. Uh, I was on hand for one of my favorite events of the year at Toledo Speedway uh, this weekend for the Central Transport Glass City 200. And uh, we kicked things off with 100 laps for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Uh, Nick Bailey and Ray Clay would lead the field to green. Bailey picked up the early lead, but uh, fast qualifier Steve Needles and 2019 race winner Caden Lapsovich were on the fly from mid-pack 
from the drop of the green flag, uh, Harold Fair Jr. would take over the lead on lap four and start to stretch out a very nice advantage. By lap nine, Lapsovich would move into the third spot with Needles in fourth. But on lap 19, Zach, uh, Steve Needles, uh, what happened to him is what usually happens to him, except from 2020. Uh, head down pit road with an oil line issue ending his day. Uh, on lap 20, Lapsovich would work around fair and set sail. At the halfway point, it was Lapsovich, Fair, Frank Giovanni, Dennis Strickland, and Bailey occupying the top five. But it was all Caden Lapsovich the rest of the way uh, as the driver of the Blount Motorsports number 16 would never be seriously challenged. Fair and Strickland staged a great battle for the runner-up spot for the final 20 laps with Fair hanging on over Strickland, Mike Root, and Connor Zabosian in his first ever Toledo Speedway start uh, would complete the top five. And Zach, on the phone lines now, we have the now two-time Glass City 200 champion. Uh, just an incredible performance by this young man. Caden Lapsovich, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Thank you. Man, um, first of all, congratulations. Um, you weren't fast qualifier on Saturday, but boy, you sure had a very, very fast car once that 100 lap start. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a little bit of the, I think we, you know, probably could have qualified on the pole if I, uh, I put together a little bit better laps. Um, you know, we changed the gear, right. Just made a last minute decision to change the gear before qualifying. And, um, I gotten used to throughout the day, kind of driving through the chip and sort of marking where I was lifting off of that. And I, uh, I just didn't think about it. We changed the gear and I only hit the chip I hit it less than what we were and uh, it, it kind of messed with me mentally. Um, but, you know, we went back and changed the year again for the race, uh, made a couple just minor adjustments um, and the car really come to life. Uh, it really, it held on really well. Um, I could kind of do whatever I wanted with it. I could just ride, I could, you know, drive balls out if I wanted to, but I just, I sort of ran the pace that I thought I needed to, to just kind of stay in front and, you know, maintain my lead and, you know, kind of just keep myself safe. We got to talk a little, a little bit on the front straightaway um, b before the event started. And it seemed like, you know, we try to figure out what's it take to get to a hundred laps and still have race car left. You, it looked like you and, and Steve needles mm -hmm. right behind you uh, made a conscious effort to try to get to the front early. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in, in past races there, I found the, the longer, you know, later into the race, if you don't have a really good car, uh, it's really hard to pass. Um, it's really hard to make the top work and it's really hard to, you know, get to the inside of somebody because you might lose drive if you do. So, well, I knew I had a really good car to fire off. I wanted to get to the front and kind of set the pace of the race. I thought, um, you know, if I got out front, I could set a reasonable pace to where I didn't think I would burn my stuff up, but um, just just enough to be able to maintain. You, uh, for those who didn't see it, you had a dominating performance, what I'm going to call it. Uh, I believe you put on a clinic on Saturday as far as Outlaw Super Late Model shows are go. Uh, there was good racing behind you, but uh, aside from restarts, you really didn't have any competition. I mean, your car was just on another level. And to hear you say that you were just kind of riding and that you had something else left in the tank, man, oh man, I, I would love to have seen somebody challenge you to really see what you had underneath the hood of that 16. That's a, that's an impressive performance. Yeah. I, I think that's just a testament to how good of, 
good of a race car Bobby brings um, to the racetrack anytime we go. Uh, you know, and anytime I think we've gone to Toledo, um, we've he's he's brought a good enough race car that we could contend for wins any every time we were there. Um, you know, last year I think we probably could have won it too um, had I not torn the right front off the car. But uh, you know, I think all that just goes back to Bob and his preparation and he knows those cars so well, he knows that track so well. And, um, he just, he knows that he knows exactly what it needs and what to do. And, you know, I was kind of worried this year a little bit because when we talked on the phone prior to the event, um, he mentioned he wanted to try, try different stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the guy that's like, well, if it works, it works, you know, like why, why change something? But, um, you know, what, whatever he brought that was different uh, worked really well. Um, that was hands down, I think, the best car I've ever driven. And I, I've driven a lot of race cars. But so to have that get a race car and, you know, kind of just be able to, to ride and set a pace that was comfortable for me, I think, is just a testament to, you know, how good of a race car he brought. Now, having a great race car like that is a great thing, but it can be a bad thing because uh, you're the first guy that's got to go through the lap traffic. You had a real hairy situation, and I'm not sure that a lot of people caught it. Um, going into turn number one, you got a lapped car on the bottom. You got a lap car to your outside, and the closing rate on these cars is massive, especially when you're the leader and you're lapping the back markers. Man, you had a big moment going into turn number one. You had to bring that car almost to a complete stop to get through those lap cars. Was that a as big of a moment inside the cockpit as it looked like when I was watching it? Yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, you know, I, I think a little bit, that could have been avoided a little bit on my end. Um, I think I had a pretty decent-sized lead, so I didn't really need to push the issue so much. But um, I think it's just like you said, it was just we caught them so much quicker than what I was expecting. And, you know, I think one guy was lifting and trying to let me go and, it kind of looked like to me both of them were trying to lift and let me go but they were still side by side so it was just the closing rate on them was so tremendous and it was just really hard to measure and you know my spotter came over the radio going into one he goes check up check up to stop do something just keep your nose clean. but um yeah it was it was tough and i'm sorry the dog's barking behind me but um it was it was tough just just having to encounter it and it got a little bit better as the race went on but just when you come up to them for the first time and there's still so many of them out there, it's just, it's tough. I want to talk to you about as this race is going on and now you're finding out several of your competitors are dropping out one by one. What is going through your head at that time? Um, you know, I think, I don't know. It's hard to say because I kind of just like to do my own thing and let the races play out as I want them. But, you know, when you see guys like needles drop out early, um, I think Giovanni dropped out just after halfway, you know, I think, I think them and Harold and uh, Dennis were, were probably the biggest competitions we had there. And, you know, you just whittle them down. And I think like from a mental note, I think it, you think, well, this might've just kind of start to be playing into our hands a little bit. And, um, but you, I try and just leave it, um, you know, as much as I want to say, well, you know, they, they're out of the race, so this is ours now. It's, you never know what can happen, and especially in those longer outlaw races. It does, it, does it get in your head and, and you have such a good car, you're praying that yours makes it to the finish? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, we've had 
especially in some of those longer outlaw races. And I, I don't think Toledo has been one of them, but when we went up to like Jukasa and stuff with them, we always had the car to beat there. And we we've always seemed to have motor motor issues. And, and it, Toledo's a place where you generally see a lot of motor issues. Um, it turns into an attrition race and you're just always praying. And, you know, I, I think I, I prayed up until about the middle of three and four on uh, coming to the checker. And I was oof, just, that's a, a heavy weight off my chest knowing that we made it. And, you know, I also think that's, it's another testament to, you know, Bobby, he's got the best engine builder, Dennis, uh, Thibodeau AP race engines, and he built a great piece. So I can't knock anything, anything they did this weekend. And, and kind of piggybacking off of that. And if, it's almost the same question. And I'm sorry for that, but a hundred laps around Toledo speedway, usually not terribly long of a race, but your guys is clocked in at just about an hour and 10 minutes with a, with a red flag and a cleanup and, you know, some caution flags along the way. Uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a terribly hot day and, you know, conditions definitely have been worse inside of a race car, but after you're inside of that thing for over an hour, I mean, are you just wanting the checkered flag to, to fall and get this thing over with? Um, well, I mean, I like, I like the long races, so that thing could be 300 laps and I, I think I'd be okay. But, um, you know, just in, and I've been racing open wheel modified this year and a lot of air gets into the cockpit. You don't really sweat a lot and it could be a hundred degrees out and it's still a fair temperature when like you're going around the racetrack. But I mean, I, I don't know, what was it? 70 degrees or something Saturday. And just even inside that outlaw car still just, you know, how the front windows are shaped and not much air gets into them. So it's still hot in there. Uh, I think I said it under the radio, over the radio, under that red flag. I was like, man, I forgot how hot it was in these things. And my dad came out with a bottle of water. But, um, you know, I, I like the long races. Um, I think it's it, it puts a little bit of driver in hand, you know, having to be able to save tires and maintain your equipment and just, just try and put all the pieces together so you have a good finish. Now, Caden, I was on property, so I know what happened. But our listeners don't. So you need to tell the story. You almost didn't make it to the Glass City 200. <laughs> no, it was it was almost really bad for a second. Um, we uh, so me and my spotter Jonathan Platt, who is also my coworker at Hampton Race Cars, um, he's been spotting for me all year. We were we flew in um, Friday night, and we had a connecting flight in uh, Chicago at O'Hare. Well, when we landed in O'Hare. It was, I mean, it was raining, kind of, sort of, not. By the time we got off the plane, I don't even think it was raining. But at some point in the 20 minutes from when we landed to when we got off the plane, lightning struck, like, five miles around the property. And, I mean, I think O'Hare is a pretty big airport, so five miles still could have been on the property. But um, they ended up canceling our flight from Chicago to Toledo. And there wasn't another one through American Airlines till like three thirty or four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Oh, like, well, no. that ain't gonna work. So we had to find another another option. Well, uh, we we have some friends that live in Chicago um, who had offered you know vehicles and stuff to bring us a vehicle and take it. Uh, we were gonna rent a car, but there was no rental cars available. Um, somehow, I'm not sure how, but there wasn't. Um, and then my mom called me about. Uh, it was an hour and a half, two hours later. Um, and at that point, they had lost my race bag. I had all my equipment in it. So I had to try and find that. I didn't have a flight. We didn't have a way to get to the racetrack. And we had nowhere to stay. 
But um, my mom ended up calling me and said, well, there's a Delta flight. I like, it boarded at like 4.30 in the morning on Saturday. And it got into Detroit at, I think it was 7.30 or so. So it's like, well, I think that's our only option. So we'll have to do that. Um, we ended up sleeping on the floor in the terminal just outside of the TSA for Delta for like, I mean, I think I slept like three and a half, four hours on this cold you know, tile floor and my father said he couldn't sleep and maybe slept like 30, 35, 40 minutes, but it, it was rough. And just, just to be able to get to the racetrack, I think was a win in its own. Holy smokes, dude. <laughs> you aren't kidding. Uh, and, no. and, and the other thing too, you've done some racing, uh, under the NASCAR banner and, you know, you've done some, as you said, uh, modified racing and you've been a lot behind the wheel a lot this year and, and in years past in your career, ever have you ever dealt with anything like that no and and i i thought we were fairly safe on our flight um you know being able to make it on time like i i didn't think it was gonna be an issue and we were gonna land in toledo go to that go to the hotel that we had and sleep for eight or nine hours and be good to go saturday morning but that that was the first for me and hopefully it's the last for me too I'm going to go out on a limb, Caden, and say you're driving to the Glass City 200 next year. (laughs) Well, uh, Caden, man, it's a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you. We appreciate you making time for us tonight. Uh, What else is left on that calendar for you this year? Um, Right now it looks like uh, I I have a modified race at Hickory, um, another one at Caraway. Uh, later in the season, like I think it's just before Thanksgiving, um, we're gonna go run the Winchester 400 again this year with the Templar car, um, and then maybe the Snowball Derby. I mean, it it all depends on on funding and you know if it's feasible or not. Caden, where can folks follow along with what you got going on? That's another uh, thing I've been wondering. Uh, well, the main place I usually keep people up to date is is my personal Facebook. Um, you know, I have a, I have Twitter and Instagram stuff too, but I don't post a lot on there. I, I know I probably should, but I, I don't for some reason. Um, but there we have our my Facebook, Instagram, um, but really that my personal Facebook is the best place to find, you know, kind of what's going on. All right, Caden Manuel, we appreciate what you've done. Uh, we, nice job on Saturday. Again, you put on an absolute clinic. Uh, and good luck with what the rest of you got going on here in 2021. We'll probably see you along the way. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And then it was out of the Arca Sierra Super Series 100 feature event for the Glass City 200. And, and Zach, this one became one for the ages and, honestly, one of the best finishes in Glass City 200 history. But we have to get to that point first. It was Hunter Jack picking up the race lead early. Uh, Jack would look very strong throughout the first half of the event, leading the first 42 laps. Carson Hosovar would then make it known that he wanted to defend his 2020 Glass City 200 win. Uh, as he worked around Jack and set sail, Jack would continue his solid run, holding down the second spot through the 70-lap mark. But in typical Glass City fashion, that's when it all got interesting. On lap 73, Jack would head down pit road while running second with a broken wheel, ending his day. Then it was top five running Brian Campbell heading down pit road uh, at lap 76 with a bri- vibration issue. His day would end as well. But Kyle Crump, who had uh, had to start at the tail of the event for pulling his 131 machine out of the impound area to make changes after qualifying, made his way through the field 
to the runner-up spot before a caution on lap 80 for, for, for a Scotty Tomasek spin on the backstretch uh, would tighten up the field. The next 20 laps would rival any fish finish at any track at any race, Zach. Uh, Hosevar would select the outside on the restart with Crump occupying the inside. The duel would battle door-to-door, bumper-to-bumper, literally, before Crump would uh, pa- make the pass for the race lead. Hosevar would do everything he could do to try and get back around Crump, with Crump doing an incredible job holding him off. And then on lap 97, Hosevar would get to the outside of Crump as the duel would head into turn number one. Slight contact was made, which sent Hosevar up the track, coming to a stop in turn two. The call from race officials was incidental contact, which sent Hosevar to the tail. On the restart, it was now Dalton Armstrong's turn to see if he had anything for Crump, but Armstrong's number five machine didn't come up to speed, Zach. Then it was Blake Rowe. Yes, Zach, Blake Rowe, who had quietly closed in on the leaders from his fourth position before the caution, made a great move to the inside of Crump coming to the white flag with fans on their feet. Uh, Rowe would nose ahead inside of Crump coming to the white flag with the fans on their feet. Rowe would... um, would nose out ahead off Crump off a of turn number two down the backstretch when Crump made one final charge underneath Rowe coming out of turn four, coming up just short at the line. It would be Rowe's first ever super late model win in his first ever Glass City 200 appearance. Hosovar would work his way back to third with Jack Smith and Armstrong completing the top five. And Zach also on Saturday night, uh, the Victory Custom tra- Trailers Junior Late Models would stage their championship event. And after 25 laps, it was Caden LeWhite leading all of them for the win over Keegan Sabillo. And Carson Lucas would wrap up his 2021 season championship running third. Well, Zach, just an incredible 33rd running of the Glass City 200. And, you know, I was able to be on the call for that with Champion Racing Association all day long. Privileged to do it, but I think those last 20 laps, uh, I was part fan just amazing and zach on the phone lines now we have the gentleman uh, i met down in victory lane he is your arca CRA super series glass city 200 champion he still has to be flying high on this monday evening blake Rowe, welcome to horsepower happenings hey guys thanks for having me yeah it uh <laughs> still feels pretty good man I, I don't know that that's gonna wear off anytime soon now let's go back in the race just a little bit i i it looked like you were you know you start a little bit back in the field but it it seems like you were in no hurry to get in the front you were being very patient um in your in the time it took you to get there yeah you know we that was our first time having that car at Toledo and we kind of chased it all day so um a little bit disappointed in our qualifying effort we we were eight um and you know I, I really felt like the car had a whole lot more speed in it but it just we were a little too tight um throughout the day and it, and it still showed throughout the race so Kind of the comment I had on it was just that I, I thought it was going to be a really good race car, but it, it wasn't going to be a car that was going to be wicked fast. So, um, yeah, we we wound up starting sixth because uh, a couple cars dropped out of the line and all that. So, uh, kind of patiently just it rode around and and you know buy at our time, save tires, things like that. Um, and you know I I felt like we were a car that that you know just truly could run probably about third on raw speed. Um, Dalton Armstrong and I were, were pretty much dead even um, speed-wise. He would make a mistake every once in a while that I thought I could capitalize on towards the end of the race. But um, short run-wise, 
we definitely had a, a really, really good race car. And I was kind of itching for a, a restart like we had there at the end. And I guess everything just worked out. Yeah, I think it was about uh, 25 or 30 laps to go before uh, the proverbial stuff hit the fan. Um, you, you were reeling in the, the top three were running nose to tail and, and you were reeling them in. You had to have noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we were kind of working pretty hard at that, you know, with about 30 to go. Um, you know, my spotter and I were kind of just communicating on lap times and things like that. And, you know, there, there was a, a pretty long stem of the race there where we were the quickest car on the track. Um, if I could, you know, kind of get the car to stay where I needed it. Um, like I said, it was just, it was still just so tight today. It really was hard to get the thing to paint the yellow lines for one and two, like I needed it to, but, um, through three and four, the, the thing was just wicked fast. I mean, definitely a car that could have, you know, drove up behind anybody through there. So, um, when I could get it to work, we, we definitely reeled them in, but, um, it, you know, it still kind of fought me a little bit here and there. So, um, yeah, I noticed that we were, we were catching them, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with them once I got there, you know? So to kind of play on Rich's tiptoe of the words, there were two piles of defecation and two fans in this room. The first one, of course, when the leaders got together and the caution came out in turns one and two, was that the point where you thought, uh, depending on how penalties go and who gets sent to the tail, this could be your race to lose? Or was it on the ensuing restart when Q fan number two uh, they stack them up coming to green and you managed to, to get away from everybody along with Kyle. When did you think, all right, Blake, I got a chance to go for this thing. Yeah. You know, I felt like when Carson and Kyle raced really hard, when, when Kyle went back, um, to the rear bumper of Carson, that's when I, you know, even kind of before everything, uh, fell apart for the two of them down in one and two, I, I thought, you know, I knew obviously that they were going to get really aggressive. Um, and the, you know, the five car kind of has a history of, um, you know, willing to, you know, get in there and bump elbows with one another. So, um, you know, when I kind of watched all that fold down, you know, unfold in front of me, I was like, well, you know, just, I, you know, like we were kind of reeling them in and, you know, the gap was pretty short at that point. So, um, you know, I was really hoping, or at that point that, you know, just hoping that the thing went green and, you know, somebody was going to get shuffled out of line. Like when Carson got shuffled up the racetrack, I was like, well, there's one. Right. And then kind of expecting the five to get down in there and, uh, you know, get aggressive and there's another, and then, you know, I just got to be the third guy in line to maybe get a little bit aggressive and, you know, there's my chance. Right. So I didn't exactly expect caution. I thought Carson was, was going to be able to gather it up and keep going. But, um, when the caution came out, we were going to be restarting on the inside row. That was going to be really big because it seemed like the outside struggled to get going there um all day so when when we were lining up behind kyle i I felt pretty good about our chances now i'm hoping that i'm recalling this correctly because those i don't know about for you behind the driver's seat but those last five laps were a blur for me as a fan (laughs) where you were on the inside going into three and four is that correct yeah um so i'm talking about coming to the checker yeah yep so i was um so coming to the checkers uh, Kyle and I were door to, we were door to door at the white. Um, and Kyle still had us by, you know, maybe a bumper or so. Um, and then I completed the pass through one and two and I, I was actually kind of running from him down and, you know, I just, <laughs> with as aggressive as the race was, I, I, I drove the thing in just wicked deep into three, trying to get away from the put, you know, I was expecting, you know, to get a bumper, which, 
you know, if I were in Kyle's shoes, I would have done the same thing, right? Um, and we're friends with Kyle. We're friends with Kyle, so this is why I'm going to say that. We all saw how he won the Red Bud, okay? Uh. <laughs> well, well, and and I was I was spotting for Kyle's Red Bud. That's um, right. That's Kyle, right. Yeah, yeah. So and and you know, Kyle and I were actually joking about it today in a in a group chat, right? We were all laughing, you know, kind of laughing about, you know, I was you know, run, trying to run away from a bump from, you know, a good friend of mine. Right. And I, you know, I just told him, well, you know, just in case the shoes ever on the other foot, just expect that, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to give you that you know, friendly benefit of, you know, I'm, I'm going to go down there and try to win the race myself. Right. But, you know, in, in a, you know, a respectable manner, I'm never going to go in there and, you know, tear anybody up, but I'm going to, you know, do what I got to do. Right. So, um, you know, I got it. I got down into three really, really deep trying to get away from him and, um, you know, he was just focused on getting off of the corner. So, um, you know, he wound up driving up beside me down the front stretch and we only, you know, you know, got him by next to nothing really. So, well, and the um, reason I asked about your positioning is because of a point you kind of made on the restart is when Carson and Kyle were battling for position. And even when Carson tried to take the lead from Hunter Jack early in the race, he and, and Kyle both couldn't find the drive off the bottom of turn four, and for you, that was really what set up, and that's what I was making sure I remembered correctly, that was what set up the pass for the win for you was a really good run coming off turn four on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our that our car, you know, we kind of seemed to have the opposite issue that everybody else had. We we couldn't get the thing to rotate through one and two like we needed it to all day, but it, I was really able to make a lot of time through three and four, um, and that that's how I drove around um Cody Coughlin that's how I drove around uh Albert Francis and then ultimately that's where I got my big run behind Kyle at the white or well I guess it'd be at two to go um so you know it was definitely definitely where I was strong all day so now now there there was one announcer along with several thousand of his friends that were uh literally enjoying the battle that Carson and and Kyle were putting on um were, were you able to see exactly what was going on up there or, or were you busy with your own car? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I had a really good seat, right? So um, I actually found myself on, you know, an occasion or two uh, kind of getting, you know, drawn in as a fan, right? And uh, accidentally, you know, missed a mark here or there and had to refocus, um, to, you know, what I had going on. But um, no, I had a really good view of it. I actually, my GoPro was in, which is nice. Typically, I forget to do that. So um, I went back and watched all that. It was it was a it was a good race between the two of them. I, it was a real bummer that um, you know, it was a real bummer for them, not for me, but um, that they weren't able to continue on with it because uh, as aggressive as they were, I mean, I thought that the shots they were they were firing at one another was fair, right? Neither of them were, you know, um, overly aggressive. I didn't feel, but um, it was it was definitely tough racing, and you know, Carson and Kyle both you know kind of showed that they were willing to do that the whole race, right? Um, you know, I, right from the drop of the green, Carson was ultra aggressive trying to get to the front and he was making a lot of time at it. And I was kind of behind him like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> I, I just personally, my driving style doesn't, doesn't suit, you know, driving so aggressively from the drop of the green, but, um, he felt like he had to get to the front then. And, um, it, it was working out for him. I mean, uh, for sure, but, uh, just things didn't go that way, I guess. So we get the restart with three to go and, and you're up there, everything almost Everybody gets stacked up on the main straightaway. Did you know at that point that you thought you had the car to win, or did you think you were actually going to be following Kyle to the finish line? 
when when we got down into one and two, so when Arm, I don't know if Armstrong spun the tires really bad or if he full on missed a shift, but you know when he got shuffled back, you know that that was a bit of a confidence booster, right? Because it's like, all right, well, it's just the two of us now, right? I don't have to worry about you know fending anybody else off at the moment. And then when we got down into one and two, I kind of found something there at the restart that really seemed to help. Um, and I got the I got the car to, to rotate and get good drive off um, down the back stretch, and I kind of you know, slowly started inching Kyle back in. And that, that was when our first run down the back stretch, I felt like, you know, Hey, maybe we've got something here. Right. Um, and then when I closed the gap through three and four, I was like, all right, well, it's kind of now or never, you know, we're, we're coming to the two here. So um, I don't know, honestly, I don't know that I ever felt like it was my race until we were like down the back stretch on the white. Like I felt like I had a really good chance at it, you know? And I, at that point I was clear of Kyle, but um, I didn't know if I just, you know, had a little burst of speed there and it was going to taper right off or what, but, um, we had just enough to hang on, I guess. Now, when we talked to you, uh, I guess it's been maybe a month and a half, two months ago, we were talking about modifieds and, and how much fun you were having and open wheel racing. And yeah, we're kind of playing around with the template car a little bit and, uh, you know, eh, whatever happens happens was kind of the feel that we had about template cars. And now you bust through with this glass city 200 win, um, are we changing the tone a little bit or we, I mean, is template cars going to start getting the focus? What's going on? Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? That was our first time away from Berlin and as much as I enjoy Berlin, it's just, it's a different type of racing, right? It's, it's a game of patience. Um, you, you don't like get up on the wheel and, and really try to get after it every lap, which I, I really enjoy about the modifieds, right? You have, I mean, you have to be patiently aggressive with the modifieds, whereas um, at, at Berlin, it's, you have to be patient and then more patient, more patient. Right. And if anybody, you know, wants to be aggressive, you just let them buy. And it's just a totally different type of racing. Right. So when we got to Toledo and from the drop of the green, you would kind of see the, the tone of the race was, you know, a little bit more like the modified racing that I I've been, you know, a little bit, you know, more suited to, I guess you could say the last few years, I really enjoyed it. I had a, I had a really good time. Um, and I don't know exactly what we're going to do yet next year. Um, as far as like, you know, our schedule goes as a mix between the template car and the modified. Um, but I definitely could see us doing a little bit more super late model racing next year than um, we do modified racing. You know, the, the modified schedule is just so good anymore. Um, you know, we always talk about like, oh, we're, you know, we're only going to do the big races with the modified, right? But when you look at the modified schedule, it's like, well, there's, you know, five to eight of them every year, like big, you know, high dollar paying races. So we're going to have to just sit down this winter and really figure out um, what are the big races that we want to go do. And then, you know, are we going to try to points race with the super to heck with next year, Blake, come on. Uh, we got Winchester <laughs> 400 coming up. We, I mean, this is not over for the super series. Uh, you know, you got the Winchester, come on down to Nashville. You want to talk about yeah. being aggressive and holding on to the backside of your pants, right? There's two <laughs> great tracks to do that at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was actually, um, we, we've all been kind of talking about it. We're trying to find, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to lock down at least one more show for us to go do this year with the super. Um, I think we're going to do Winchester with the modified this year, which will be our first time down there. Um, and then I'm thinking, uh, kind of the talk is right now, we're probably going to go do Nashville with the super. Um, it looks like, uh, years past, it's been a 300 lap race. I, I haven't seen like a, a full schedule posted for that weekend yet to know what the format's going to be like, but I can, um, I can. I think I, that would be. I can tell you a secret. <clears throat> yeah, it's a 300 lap race. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, three or 400 laps. I mean, either way, it's a, it's a big step for us. Um, but 
you know, we're, we're going to have to make that step at some point. So um, we'll just, we're just going to, you know, have to hunker down here the next few weeks and uh, reprep the car and uh, maybe see if we can get down there or something and uh, prep for the weekend, you know, a week or two beforehand. That was kind of, that was kind of our big scare going into Toledo. You know, we, uh, we couldn't get a test day secured for this year. Um, they've been having issues trying to get like uh, EMS and things like that for the track on test days. And um, that's understandable. So we went in kind of blind for race day. I mean, that was our first laps at Toledo with the super late. So um, if we were to go to a big race like Winchester or the all American, um, we, I think we'd definitely have to uh, lock down a, a test day uh, a couple of weeks prior. So we can, you know, hash out what we're going to start with for the race weekend. And um, you know, just, it's a big race. It's a big weekend, man. I mean, we had, we had a bunch of really good race cars at Toledo, but um, when you look at the field, that's going to, you know, make up either the Winchester 400 or the all American. I mean, they're, they're all cars that, can win i mean for the most part so um you know i don't want to go down there and and not be a car that is capable of contending yeah and you got to remember too last year sorry to step on your toes rich but just one thing i wanted to build on his point is last year covid year reduced pay because of covid they still had to run a last chance race on saturday for the all-american 400 so uh you're you're talking about a lot of cars somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 super is going to be trying to make that show yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm confident we can do it. Um, I, I am. I think that uh, we, we've lacked a little bit of qualifying speed with this car this year. I, I don't know why we haven't really pinpointed it. Uh, pinpointed it. Um, even at Berlin, I mean, we we've had really fast, you know, race cars, right? I mean, it's been a, it's been a killer car throughout a lot of races, um, but we just we haven't been able to like rattle off a big lap yet. So. Um, I got to iron that out. Um, I think, I think there's a couple things that definitely showed this weekend that we could have done for qualifying. Um, so we'll, we'll figure it out one way or the other, but I think it's a car that's capable of going and contending at, at Nashville, um, for the, the, the duration of the 300 laps. So, um, uh, we'll see. I'm excited for whatever we decide to do, whether we, um, you know, kind of another race we've had circled as, as an option would be the, uh, I think it's 417 speedway he's got one uh thanksgiving weekend that's uh it's like a 20,000 to win 127 lap race or something like that so i don't know we'll see we're gonna we're gonna figure out at least one more to go do this year i'm sure now blake just to put a cap on saturday we had we talked to caden lapsovich uh, earlier in the program and you know they they had a little bit of attrition uh, up front specifically for the outlaws and, and you guys did as well you had hunter jack who led almost the whole first half, half of the race. And, and then Brian Campbell, who, um, you know, arguably probably that's the best track he ever races at. And it's his favorite. Um, your thoughts, when you see these guys going down pit road and they're done, you got any of that? Are you labeled to stay out of your head or does that make you start thinking? Well, I mean, it's, you know, Toledo is historically really hard on race cars. I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's tough on engines and, and drive trains and things like that. Cause it's fast and, you know, there's a lot of load on things, but, um, you know, I prep the race car to the best of my ability, man. So, uh, I'm the one typically, you know, turning all the nuts and bolts and if it ain't me, it's, it's my dad or, or a few really close friends of ours that I know are, are fantastic mechanics. So, um, if something fails, I, you know, on our car, um, I know it wasn't for a lack of effort or a lack of maintenance or anything like that. So as much as it would stink, um, you know, no, I, I don't typically get worried about us dropping out of races for things like that. Um, it's, you know, it definitely, when you see all these big names dropping out, it's, it's a little wild to see, you wouldn't expect it. Um, and it, you know, it's bound to be us at some point or another. Um, but you know, I just, 
I, I all I can do is <laughs> try to prep the car during the week for, for these events. And, uh, if things don't go our way, that that's just the way it goes, you know? Now you obviously are a pretty level-headed guy. You got a good head on your shoulders. Uh, but I have to ask what part of now you prepping for whatever your next race is, is going to be telling yourself, okay, we left Berlin, we left home, we left the nest, and we knocked one off. It's not going to be that way every time we go somewhere. How much of that do you have to tell yourself, okay, we're not going to go out and win every time we show up? Or am I off base there? Do you say, okay, we are capable of winning when we show up? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, we we try to set, you know, realistic uh, goals, right? Like, you know, Toledo, quite honestly, my goal was, or, you know, my hope going into the weekend was that the car is comfortable for a hundred laps. Um, I'm comfortable in the seat for a hundred laps. Um, and anything above that was, was pretty cool. Right. Like, you know, I, I was pretty confident that the car would have, you know, a little bit of speed there, but you know, to find that edge that everybody else has is, is a tough thing to do. So, um, no, I, I think if we were to go, you know, wherever we go next, um, it's, you know, it's kind of going to be the same way, right? Go down there, do the best we can, um, you know, keep our heads low all weekend and, uh, you know, just, just work hard at it, man. I, you know, and it's kind of funny, even with our, uh, even with our modified stuff as, as good as, um, you know, we've run with that car, uh, the last few years, you know, it's kind of the weekends that we show up and things go like smooth and we just kind of chill through practice and stuff like that. I, I swear those are the weekends that we don't run well. Um, if we don't show up and sweat our tails off through practice and change a million things, even if we go right back to our baseline before the race, those are the weekends that go well when we're kind of, you know, just keeping to ourselves and, and, you know, meticulously working at it. So, um, it's just kind of, kind of our MO. It's kind of how we've always operated. So, um, wherever we go next, I'm sure it'll be the same way. And if it works out cool, if it doesn't, um, we're not going to be disappointed. I mean, we're, we're, that was our seventh start in the late model altogether. Uh, we've had oh, six geez. starts at Berlin now. Um, and then that, you know, the glass city was our seventh. So definitely exceeding all expectations, but I don't think we're going to, we're not going to like pick up any big ego over it. You realize how ridiculous that is, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I do. I mean, honestly, the, like, like I said, at, at glass city, I, I wasn't even kind of like, up to speed with what was going on until we were like halfway down the backstretch on the white flag lap. <laughs> you know, my spotter, uh, Chris Stearns was there with us that weekend and he was kind of like, you know, you got, you got come on. Man. And I was like, Holy crap, maybe I have this. Like, <laughs> you know, it just definitely, definitely wasn't something that I was probably processing all the way at the moment. I was just, you know, trying to click off every, every lap I could and, you know, wherever I ended up, I ended up, I guess. So. Well, Blake, hey, I know I know a couple of announcers that are going to be at Winchester and Nashville. We're going to keep your number handy in case we need a ride. All right? Yeah, man, for sure. We'll be down there. You'll you'll find me one way or the other. So, hey, who is it that makes it possible? I know that car, uh, you know, on the side looks a, a little scarce, but I know that there are people that help you put that car together and get it out there. Yeah. So first and foremost, with with our super late program, man, the, the guy that owns that car for us, he, he's a really close family friend. He's been a part of our racing program for a long time now. Uh, Mark Joslin's given me the opportunity to, to drive for him these last uh, year and a half now, super. So uh, that's really cool. I, I can't thank him enough. Um, I, I wouldn't be super racing right now if it wasn't for um, his willingness to, to give me this chance. So, um, you know, definitely a huge thanks to Mark. Um, 
Dick Myers. He's uh, been a big supporter of mine for a long time, just teaching me and, um, you know, giving me the best equipment he can um, with where he helps out with on the race cars. Um, you know, my dad and my mom for everything they've done. I mean, I've been racing since I was six, so <laughs> I don't even want to try to put together the amount of money they've spent or, or the time away from home and things like that. Um, or just even, you know, the lost hours of sleep, uh, trying to work on race cars and get them ready for the weekend. Um, you know, all of our, all of the guys that come and help us at the racetrack. Um, we, we have a, a really awesome group of, of people that are willing to spend weekends away from home. Um, my, my girlfriend puts up with a lot of stuff, uh, letting me, uh, you know, go and play, uh, when, you know, really I should be spending more time with her or focusing on, you know, work or school or anything like that. And, uh, so she, she really is, a huge supporter of mine. Um, and then all of our sponsors on, on the modified side, you know, even though, you know, kind of the, the cars and the programs are a little bit split in that aspect. Um, you know, I, I never, never, uh, you know, forget to mention them because regardless of it being on one side or the other, you know, we're, we're, we try to piggyback as much as we can between the two cars. Um, so, you know, rush RV and Barnett financial and tax, uh, great towing service, uh, M2 auto parts. Um, you know, all of them are just, uh, you know, that we, we couldn't do it without, without each, each and every one of them. So, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's a small village to get us to the racetrack. You know, we're, um, we work out of a two car garage attached to my parents' house and, uh, we're just, we're not, we're not a big team under any circumstance. So, uh, we just, we do as much as we can, as much as we can with what we have. So that's Blake Rowe, the 2021 glass city 200 champion on the CRA side of things. And, uh, we'll be following along to see what goes on the rest of this season. And Blake, we're looking forward to seeing what's going on in 2022 with you. Uh, big things coming up. It sounds like probably in the super late model realm for you. Nice job. Congratulations and, and good luck down the road. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I, I really appreciate the time and, uh, for having me on the show. It's, it's been really fun. And I know everybody, uh, at least all the, the people that follow us around, uh, really love listening. Always a pleasure to chat with Blake. Appreciate his support. And uh, we talked about this being a jam-packed show. Well, that's because there was a lot that went on over the weekend, including this season finale for the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series at Tri-City Motor Speedway. It was part of Battle by the Bay Friday and Saturday night. Friday featured twin features. This was the uh, what we like to call the Mike Blackmere format, right, where you have your inside line, outside line features that set – uh, the lineup for Saturday night's big race. Chad Finley and Donamar Coolier were the uh, feature winners on Friday night. That allowed them to lead the field to the green for 60 laps around Tri-City Motor Speedway. Now, unfortunately, due to uh, not only some scheduling conflicts, but also some illness, uh, we weren't able to be at this race. And, and I, I think I speak for everybody at Horsepower Happenings when I say it just breaks our heart that we were at every race this year and then missed the championship event. Um, but uh, it was a good one. Uh, and you can look at the notes here. Dona Marcoulier started on the pin and never looked back other than a challenge from Derek Hilliker, and uh, that guy is going to bag himself a big win at Tri-City sometime very soon because we've seen it a lot where he's come from not necessarily deep but deep enough and has uh, given folks a run for their money. And uh, nonetheless, the end result was Dona Marcoulier going to victory lane to pick up some big-time money uh, in the form of $10,000 at Tri-City Motor Speedway and also enough to seal the Challenge Series Championship.
And now joining us on the program is the guy who got it done for, as we said, like the 15th or 16th time. I don't know. I'm losing track at Tri-City. And, uh, again, this pretty much puts it away. The All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series champion, Donamar Coolier. Thanks for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. How's it going, man? Oh, not too bad, sir. Uh, thanks for having me again. Hey, uh, you know, you put on an immaculate performance all all year, really, and then it culminates at the end of the season at a place that you've kind of called home this year and, and really a great weekend for you that results in another big payday. Talk to me about it. Well, I know it's, it's amazing to see what kind of money we can run for in the state of Michigan right now. It's uh, it's truly a blessing um, to be, you know, Tri-City is only about an hour and 10 minutes from the house and, you know, Merritt Speedway being only 15 minutes from the house just to be close to home and uh I don't know. We've really, we've really stepped up our program here in the last couple of years with some really good race cars and some good motors, and and we finally got a chance to shine. I mean, we've got some great partners in our program, and uh, we're really excited. I mean, every night we go to racetrack, we're prepared. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not thrashing. I mean, all of our tires are done, our maintenance is done, and we just got a, this is a great piece. I mean, all of our uh, got a great crew and family, and you know, it makes makes it all racing. You know, Dona Zach and I have talked the past month or so, and. And it was always, what's it going to take for someone to catch Dona in this championship? And I don't think it, I never thought it was really going to happen because you, you had such a hot start the way Travis Stemmler did in 2020 when he did. Um, kind of talk about your start and you kind of made you gave yourself a little bit of a gap for the second half. Yeah. I mean, we just stepped up in our motor program here in the last, well, not, not just this year, but last year we went and bought ourselves some you know, some really good pieces for Matt Ryan for we can step up our qualifying program and uh, and really just learn our race cars to make them better throughout the night. And uh, we've just uh, we've done our homework and we're still doing our homework. Um, you know, just uh, it's like you know, everything evolves. I mean, no matter what you do, some somebody's always got something better, so you got to stay on something. But uh, but no, like we've had we had good luck too this year. I mean, we didn't have any any DNFs or you know we we just did our job. And I think our worst finish I think was tenth all year in that series, and we had to take provisional because. We had a flat tire and a heat race type of deal, but we still drove back up the tenth. And uh, you know, just uh, I think we had four wins on that tour this year. Um, you know, I think you know three of them were ten thousands. One was a six thousand. And uh, I, mean, I just can't ask. I mean, we had a better year this year than we did last year, and I thought last year was a hell of a year too. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a pretty good feeling when you thought you made some money last year, and uh, and now you're looking at it going, man, this is pretty good. Uh, I want to talk about the weekend, though. Uh, Tri-City, man, Facebook and social media was kind of lit up there on Friday night. The The place was hammer down and heavy, which is what we saw with the sprints there just a couple of weeks prior to that. Uh, what was your thoughts on the track on Friday night? I mean, everybody knows my preference. I mean, drive slick, not hard on motors, no big oil temp, you know, and then it really lets the drivers come out. But when it's, it's, I mean, it's good. I mean, Tri-City's got such a good surface. I mean, when, when you when you put moisture in it, I mean, it's got traction. And, you know, I think we're running 11.7s, 11.8s around there all night, Friday night. And, and uh, I mean, just one of those deals, just hold it to floor and just hope it turns and don't lift. But, uh, but I, I like it when it's slick. I mean, it's, I've always... And racing and stuff like the big money shows or I mean, to be able to get it done, you gotta get it done when it's dry and slick instead of hammered down. That's what we focused our program on too. So And it looked like Saturday that was kind of the way it looked like it happened. It kinda of looked like there was a groove that you could find on the bottom. There was something up top yeah, if you wanted it. Was, it. Uh, it was it it was tractioned up more than I thought it would be. because um, we if I kinda of over adjusted, I was actually way too tight for that for that sixty lapper, but we still got the job done. I know Derek kinda of showed his nose 
you know, his hand there about 10 to go and I had to step up and get on the wheel and, and, uh, get back by him. I know we had a, a ton of lap traffic. I mean, I, I mean, it had to been a heck of a race to watch, honestly, because I think we were like four by four by four. It seemed like the last 10 laps, you know, Derek and I with traffic and stuff like that. And I just hope it was a good turnout for the fans and, uh, we were lucky enough to get the job done and be on top. So. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you about is we saw this earlier in the year. Eric Spangler almost had one slip away at the hands of Derek. And uh, talking about Derek Hilliker, of course, in the same style is Derek had to fight his way through the field. I think he gained like eight spots or something on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And man put a charge into a challenge with you. Um, how, how much fun is it on a racetrack like that to race with somebody because of how much you enjoy the driver aspect of it, where you can't, Dona, just put it to the floor and whoever's got the most bravery gets to stay up front? Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. Like, anybody knows when you got traction. I mean, you're a superhero. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. But, uh, I mean, to see him step up and go, I mean, it was uh, – I knew I knew he was, it was for the lead because, I mean, I, I, I mean, I always keep track of who you're passing and lapping and stuff like that. And, I mean, he's done that before. I mean, he's always uh, – he's always a card in the file type of deal. And I'm glad to see him run better. I mean, his family's been doing it for years and, um, you know, just like our family, you know, there's a lot of respect there. And like when we did it clean too, like we never, never banged doors, never nothing. We just raced hard. And it was a, it was a fun race. Donald, this is two years now into this challenge series. Um, what is it about the challenge series? It seems like, of course, I, I get the privilege of, of covering a whole lot of them the last two years, but mm-hmm. why is it five laps to go? These races aren't decided yet. I mean, most of them, it's, it's just unbelievable. You don't ever see anybody run away with these things. Um, the competition is just so even, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, you know, 10 great racers in Michigan that we've all stepped up and, you know, the equipment's there and you've got, you know, Travis, Brandon, um, Chad, you know, uh, Cody. I mean, there's, there's 10 of us there weekly. I mean, anybody can win these races, but, uh, if, uh, if the racetracks do their job right and they make it racy, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You know, no, nobody likes to go to racetrack and see a rubber up one lane, you know, guys starting to pull and win. I mean, if, you, if, if the track's prepped right, in which, you know, they can be up here. We've seen that. We've seen some good racing this year. And uh, I just think of this, if, if we do our job right and every racetrack's do your job right, the fans are always going to get one heck of a show. So Now, he changed the uh, – Mike Blackmere changed the point system for 2021. Obviously, you don't have a problem with it. But uh, how do you think it worked out overall? It, it was – you know, it was more like the – more like the ethanol tour like we had um you think this is the way to go for next year you know i'm personally when i mean this is the way you got to do it for dirt i mean because one of those deals and everybody knows in dirt race dirt racing you know the we don't get the same racetrack from the first guy to the 30th guy you know like asphalt and the asphalt you go out there everybody's got the same racetrack you know so if you draw i mean it's it's it plays out that luck of draw because if you draw good and qualify good i mean like like last year, I know we we still had good motors and stuff, but we to go out on a racetrack and be the last car out, and you know they fall off a second, second and a half, and it's just really putting a hinder. And by making it group qualifying, where there's points awarded per group and heat race points, and even the way that Mike changed it up the last half of the year, where you got to qualify to start in the front row, and that's you know, and it's everybody knows you start up front and get the job done. I mean, it's just there's no. There's no handicap, and I, and I really enjoy that. I hope that doesn't ever change, you know, because I really feel like if you do your do your job and your homework in the shop, you shouldn't get penalized at the racetrack. So um, I really like this, you know, fast time starts in the front row. The heat, heat race starts, you know, one through four. You know, I really enjoy this, and I hope that never changes. So I think it's <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I think it's interesting uh, that you kind of get 
almost three champions out of this whole deal. You get a merit track champion, you get a Tri-City track champion, and then you get a Challenge Series champion. Eric Spangler got two of the three. You get the Challenge Series. Do you think uh, this is kind of a, I don't know, I'm going to tiptoe around this question. What what do you think, uh, or how is the pride represented for you to be consistently good at both tracks all year long when the big money was on the line? Obviously, Eric was good at both tracks because he won the regular track championship, but you won the Challenge Series championship. So kind of where do you put that with your other touring championships and with your other track championships? I mean, I don't know. there's no, I'm not going to tiptoe around it. Like my, my idol in racing growing up was always, you know, my dad and Chris Patterson. And I watched my dad and he for years, never venture out, you know, and try to race for that thousand dollar championship locally. And then when I started getting more involved with Chris Patterson, he started helping me out. He kind of talked and said, you know, don't screw around with these weekly points deals because they don't pay nothing. So you can go travel hour two, three down the road, go win five or 10 grand. That's more than you make all year at one racetrack. And that's really where I've really focused my whole life. I mean, you know, I've, I've never, I've never been one to cherry pick. Um, I've never been one to go race against, you know, 12, 12 or 15 cars. You know, like if you look at our stats this year, every, every race we won was, you know, $2,000 or more, you know, and, uh, like we went to Illinois and ran with the summer national guys a few times. I mean, we've, I mean, I, I pride myself in running good with good competition and, you know, like that challenge series, that's, that's a series where everybody that's good in the state of Michigan is at one racetrack, not just the pick and choose stuff. If you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not trying to say anything bad. I mean, a commitment's a commitment, but I pride myself in being there when all the best competition is there and running good with that. You know, because uh, I, I still believe in, in my racing, like what Chris used to say, you know, like you can win more at one, at one race than you can a championship. Um, and you're only as good as who you race against. So that's always been my motto. I mean, I mean, you race locally and yeah, you're fast at home, but then, you know, some of these guys show up from out of state and they kick your butt. So you always got to be on your game. So I always try to race with those guys too. So, And that leads me into the other question, Dona. Now we've got two years of Mike's Challenge Series under our, under our belt. After uh, a five-year run with Ethanol, do you, uh, I guess for lack of a better phrase, miss hitting more than just two tracks on a, quote, tour? Uh, I guess the other way you could phrase that question is, would you like to see the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series be expanded in 2022? Oh, I do. I mean, for what Mike's got to offer, I mean, I never would have thought we would run weekly for these kind of races, you know, and, and you can't pass that up. Like, you know, how many, how many years we run for 1200 bucks to win at our local racetrack, you know, and um, to be able to go run for fives or sevens or even, you know, well, heck, we ran for 30,000 this year. And who would ever thought that would ever happen in, in the late model in Michigan. But I really, I mean, I like traveling. I really do. I mean, we got a truck and trailer to do it. And, you know, Winston Thunderbird, uh, I-96 is all within, you know, two, two and a half hours. But it's not a, it's not a big run, but it will step up and it makes you, uh, makes your program where you're just not stuck at one racetrack. Like you, you can get good at both places, but it makes you more well-rounded when you've got to step it up on different sides or different track surfaces or, you know, it's uh, it'll, it'll actually make the racer better when they got to go to different places. So now Dono, we've talked a lot about, you know, you being a smaller race team. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so you, you don't want to get out there too much and, and just start traveling, but for 2022, I'm assuming, the way you guys have been successful the last two years, probably about the same thing for next year. 
Yeah, um, well, we haven't really sat down and, and, and scheduled and stuff. We'll wait till first year what, what, our, what our plans are. But, uh, you know, we've got uh, – we just ordered another new car from Black Diamond, and, you know, we'll have a new race car next year. we got two great motors from Matt Ryan. I mean, we got. I, mean, I feel like we got the best motors we could ever buy in the dirt late model stuff. And uh, I'm really excited, honestly. I mean, I think it's all a good thing. I mean – I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, the biggest thing with the ethanol stuff is when we got too far, you know, I mean, if you keep it within a couple hours of the house between any, any racer, um, they'll still have, you know, 10 or 15 followers, I believe, you know, cause we're not going at six hours, you know, or, you know, like, like I said, we went to Brownstown at one time and that's an eight hour ride, you know, and for, a, I wouldn't say a local race team, but for a guy with one car, one trailer there, that that's a big challenge for them to go that far, you know? So, I mean, as long as he keeps it, you know, within the state of Michigan rounds, and I think that it'll, it'll just continue to grow and grow and grow. Now, this was before my real deep involvement, but I almost, I mean, again, like a Michigan Cup type of thing, right, Dona, where we're hitting Michigan tracks, and like you said, maybe a couple hours one way or the other of, of the state line, um, and, mm-hmm. and really a good, strong Michigan-based late model tour because, and Rich can, can speak for this too, we saw some damn good late model racing at, at tracks that weren't named Merritt and Tri-City this year, too. There are a lot of good tracks in this state. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of them. I mean, I mean, I love every one of them. Um, and like I said, for like not trying to go back to the ethanol thing, but for all of us, we're not full-time racers. Like, this isn't our life, and we all have full-time jobs or businesses. And uh, for us to, you know, take days off to be able to travel, you know, like, you know, They'll go Friday night and go, you know, six hours, you know, that, and if it's on, and if they keep it within a couple of, a couple hours or, you know, like, like, like I think our farthest run would be Thunderbird, which is, you know, two and a half hours. And you can still do that on a, on a nightly basis. You don't, you don't have to worry about, you know, vacation time and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, Mike's, Mike's always grown. He's always got different ideas and, and, uh, I'm excited for 2022. Well, there you go, Rich. You got two announcers and one race car driver who are ready for it. Now, if we can find anybody that'll spend the money alongside Mike, I think we got something. <laughs> I, th- I think there's the problem. <laughs> That's where we're going to have the problem. But it, don't it, I mean, we, we've talked to, and every night that we talk when, when we see each other, you tell me about all these people that help out. Now you have a championship. Um, this is your chance to, you know, at the end of the season, kind of tell everybody that puts you in this position. Oh, I know the biggest thing is, uh, you know, above Patrick, Patrick plumbing. I mean, without him, I mean, he's really allowed my race team to grow and he's been a great partner and just letting us do what we have to do and giving us great cars and motors. And, uh, um, you know, without a man like them, he's always fun. Uh, we actually went to Eldora a few weeks ago and watched and had a good time and had like a little mini vacation, but, uh, but just my great sponsors. I mean, Dennis Kraft, I mean, everybody that's on my race car, it's just not, you know, we're not, not just sponsors. I mean, we're all friends and family. I mean, uh, I mean, that's, that's what I love so much about my race race team is we're not, you know, corporate, nothing like that. We're all just having fun, but you know, Dennis craft construction, um, you know, black diamond race cars, you know, Ronnie Stuckey, uh, BJ Robinson, uh, great people to work with, uh, Matt Ryan, Ryan engines. Um, I mean, out of Gary, Indiana. I mean, I, mean, I love dealing here. We, we, he always calls me every Monday and we actually talked today for a half hour, but this is how our weekends, but, uh, uh, my tire guy, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy's collision. Um, yep. Uh, my crew chief, uh, Derek, um, I mean, still great friends. We spent a lot of time together on the off season. We actually, I mean, um, just, just the whole package. I mean, all, uh, Todd Roswell trucking, Roscoe Motor Recyclers, uh, KBC graphics, all-star quick car. Um, 
Nickerson Trucking, Shocks by Jimmy, um, SMJ Excavating, uh, All Star Towing um, and Service, uh, JC Michelski, um, a great friend. We were based, uh, you know, Jared Michelski, uh, Seawalls. I mean, we were friends back in the day. He his, his step his stepdad, Ronnie Hill, and he was a, re- a great pro truck driver at Merritt Speedway. And uh, I just want to thank everybody and my fans, my fiance, my dad, um, even you guys. I mean, everybody that you know promotes us. And uh, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be able to do it with 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 with, I couldn't do it without anybody or any anybody that's on that car or anybody that I mean I appreciate all the fans anybody that walked up and bought a t-shirt this year you know I mean it's just that when they when they buy shirts that helps get diesel fuel and pit passes and stuff for our guys and I just want to say thank you for for to anybody and everybody so Donut does this put a cap on the uh, 2021 season for you you're going to get the cars tore down and cleaned up or do you got anything else left yeah um, we kicked around uh, going to Spoon River or Fairbury and Honestly, I sold one of my cars here last week. I had a guy come from PA and, and purchase it, and we just got one car um, right now. Like I said, we ordered a new one, but uh, we're just gonna we're on a good note. Uh, we've got some points money that we can, you know, really update our equipment this winter, and uh, we're gonna call it a year and put the truck in storage and just uh, enjoy yourself. So break out the power washers, the uh, can koozies, and enjoy the off season, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Dona, it's always a pleasure. We appreciate you making some time to chat with us. Congratulations on uh, not only another feature win, but becoming the 2021 All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series champion. Nice work, and it's been a pleasure to follow you along this season. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Zach. Secret. Thanks, Rich. Okie dokie, Rich France. As if this show wasn't loaded, Jack, pa- Jack Pam, Jack, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's an <laughs> awesome show to wrap up uh, almost the month of September, and it's another time for one of our favorite programs yeah zach uh this gentleman got to enjoy uh everything at the glass city 200 with me on saturday uh back for his did you know questions quiz number six man is this summer flying by gary lindahl welcome back to horsepower happenings hi rich how you doing and boy i tell you we saw a fabulous show at toledo speedway that's all i can say it was awesome you know Long live pavement racing, baby. We still have it. <laughs> and it's all, <laughs> that's for sure. Gary, he meant all... jam-packed, by the way. I think he meant jam-packed, that's, show, that's, by the way. That's what I was going for. Thank you. I got I to gotta lean on the Hall of Famer every once in a while. <laughs> Not a problem. I got to give a shout-out real quick to Fast Time Racing Engines and Parts, who are great supporters at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway, for supporting this segment of Horsepower Happenings. Absolutely. We appreciate them. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad to have met them through through my partnership with Rich in the past. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy to have them on, too. Oh, yeah. You know, that is shameless promotion right there is what it is. I love it. All well, right. You guys got a jam-packed show. Rich. So we'll get right into this. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you, you're ready to go, Gary. How about it? Let's go with question number one. Sure, I know, because you guys got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, question number one. They call this outlaw late model driver. The gentleman. And they've called him that for years. It's above me. <laughs> well, I'm, you know I'm what? I'm one, one I knew this one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Rich might have known that one, you know. All right, but, what do we got uh, for number and, two? And we go to question number two. And uh, Mark Mead could really wheel what kind of car and what was his number. Rich, did you have that one? I did not have that one. Okay, then I don't feel and bad I... about not having that one either. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is one of those uh, trick questions I threw in once in a while, and I talked to Rich about it. It's just a fun thing. 
And once you uh, once you get the answer, Rich has already got the answer. But when people get the answer, they'll either go, "Oh yeah, I got it," or they'll groan. But anyway, here we go. Question number three: A train could really use this northern driver's name. I just looked at the answer. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? I like that. You cheated, didn't you? I sure did. No. Every once in a while, I throw things in like that. And you see it, and you go, oh, wow, I should have known that, you know? It's pretty and good. The, and part of this name got my attention, and I yes. got your attention too, Zach, right? Yes, it did. Absolutely, it did. Yeah, we'll, we'll break, have to follow up on that. We'll break that down next week. Yeah, well, I, and you guys can, too. It's pretty easy to break it down. And uh, our fourth and final question, what Hall of Fame late model driver won the very first Harvest 100? All right. Now, that one there was, you go. That was above me as well. Rich, would you have got that Well, one? I tried to, you know, I tried to put it out there. You know, I mean, I... I'm thinking this is pretty decent, but Zach, in your age range, may, may yeah. range, maybe it's not. Well, we'd have to break out the Google. And, well, I don't know. Like somebody like Scott Menlin, he might get these. Uh, he's pretty in You know depth. what? Uh, that would kind of be in his wheelhouse a little bit. I bet it would. Rich, there's some other people out there that should be able to, uh, I would think, get most of this. How would you have done on that last one, Rich? Um, if he would have said it was somebody who may have won a couple of Glass City 200s in a row, I would have known it right off the bat. <laughs> See that? See that? Oh, did I just give right a Oh, come on, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, we appreciate, uh, you know, for those who don't know, maybe are catching this late in the season, Gary, this is a segment you did for a very long time as a, as a column. Well, exactly. In Mark Times Racing News, I started in 1976 as a whim. I was going to do it one time. And the one time I did it, apparently uh, just about everybody and their brother must have bought the paper uh, that particular weekend at all the racetracks that Mark Times used to be sold at. And I put the answers in the following week, and it was like uh, I, I couldn't stop. Everybody enjoyed it so much. When I had drivers like uh, Danny Bird and other drivers of that ilk, you know, like the Joey Fairs, come up to me and go, I really like that quiz you do. Are you really going to stop doing it? You Not can't. Not a chance. You can't. <laughs> well, Gary, Not a chance. we are happy to have been able to uh, resurrect it through Horsepower Happenings. We hope you're enjoying doing it because I know that uh, the listeners and the people on Facebook are. And uh, we appreciate you doing it. Thanks again. All righty, man. We'll catch up with you, Rich. I'll talk to you later this week. We'll see you, Gary. All right, man. Our appreciation to Dona, as always, uh, for him to make some time to join us on the show. And, uh, of course, uh, Blake Rowe, what a pleasure to talk with him. Caden Lapshevich, three really good interviews tonight. Two headlines, Rich, that I want to talk about. We didn't have time to really do full stories on them, but I want to get your thoughts on one of them. First off, Kokomo Speedway just announcing while we're doing the show that the Kokomo Clash will go off this year in 2021 with a small little catch. Every division this year that is going to race Kokomo Clash 15 requires pre-registration, so drivers cannot just show up race weekend and think that they're going to race uh, due to the massive amount of cars that typically show up at this event. Every division is pre-required for Kokomo Clash uh, Friday night. 
is uh, going to be maximum of 60 Thunder cars. Saturday night, 40 late models will be allowed to enter, 80 modifieds, 40 sportsmen, 80 street stock, and 60 hornets. Um, and uh, this, again, is the clash taking place on uh, the 15th of October is the Friday night portion. And then, of course, the 16th on Saturday night. Registration deadline is 7 o'clock on September 27th. And we saw them try with this last year, Rich, and registrations filled up like that. It was very quick. A lot of folks want to run this show. The other story that I want to get your opinion on, Rich France, Plymouth Speedway, you can see the asphalt at Plymouth Speedway again. Uh, they've already taken a very large amount of the dirt off. 2022, Plymouth returns to the pavement. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I never, I, I was never at Plymouth when it was pavement. So um, obviously, we're going to have to make a trip down there and go check it out. But uh, everybody I've talked about, everybody I've talked to from that area says it's a great thing. Um, I know they're planning some big outlaw super late model races. We're going to have to be careful on the scheduling with those is what we're going to have to do. You have a reel the hammer as well, along with some other big crown jewels in the area. Uh, we don't want to be stepping on each other's toes. We don't need to wear these outlaw super late models out and, and kill the car counts again where where we're getting nine or ten outlaws. Uh, we want to make sure that all these uh, big races for them um, are spread out far enough so we can get good car counts, you know, upper upper teens, 20-plus cars. Uh, that would be outstanding. But I'm looking forward to it. I just want to see what the plan is, and, and I'll feel a lot better when I see the schedule. And you can find, by the way, some uh, old races back 2011 even, Cabin Fever 200 at Plymouth with uh, CRA Street Stocks. Uh, and you can find some template racing there, too. Uh, puts on a decent show. So uh, I, I am with you. I'm, I would like to see what they're able to do with that racetrack in uh, 2022 now more realistically not realistically more uh, uh pressing as in coming up this weekend right away rich france uh we've got some big races still to run here in the state of michigan yes yeah, so, so, some big events and and i was at this one last year the lasso fall nationals outlaw super late models modified sportsman pure stocks front wheel drive and trucks that's coming up this weekend um on friday night they will have an optional practice session then on saturday outlaw super late models 60 laps for three thousand dollars to win modifies 50 laps fourteen hundred dollars to win uh practice at one o'clock qualifying at 245 racing on saturday at the owasso speedway gets kicked off at 5 p.m and then Kalamazoo Speedway, Super Shoe 34 goes off this weekend. Uh, open practice on Friday. Saturday, hot laps and group qualifying with racing at 6.15. And then Sunday, racing at 12.30. And, Rich, this is always a big event. A lot of folks looking forward to the Super Shoe this year. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we got to say, while we're, while we're talking about Kalamazoo, uh, got to give our, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers out to uh to, to the voice uh of kalamazoo speedway uh the mouth jason seltzer mouth. <laughs> jason seltzer yeah uh having a little few health problems hope he gets back on his feet real good uh i know he was scared there for a little bit but uh 
well, really looking forward to have Jason back on his feet. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think, too, uh, the last update, it sounds like he's hoping to get out of his current uh, his current lodging situation and maybe uh, get out of there in time to maybe catch some super shoes. So, Jason, if this gets to you, you we're thinking of you and we're hoping the best for you. And uh, hopefully you can get up to those stairs and get back on the microphone very soon. Uh, Rich, that's pretty much going to do it for our show tonight. It was absolutely, as uh, Gary helped me say, jam packed uh because we had a lot going on great interviews appreciate gary with gary did you know appreciate dona blake caden for their time tonight and appreciate you the listener too for taking some time to join us here on horsepower happenings uh it's a weekend off for me rich i don't know if you're going anywhere next time i get to be in action will be at the uh the fall uh, the what are they calling it? The uh, the fall bash at Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis with the Jeg CRA All Stars Tour. They'll be in action not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday, first weekend in October. So looking forward to that coming up very soon. Uh, Rich, we got to cut this thing off, man. We got to get out of here. So on behalf of Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you same time, same place next Monday, right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.